0: David Lamy, welcome to Tell a Friend.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So yesterday we heard the grim news that the UK had passed 100,000 death mark and a prime minister's briefing followed and he said, and I quote, that he takes full responsibility. So my first question to you is, is it time for Boris Johnson to go?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think it's as easy as that, is it? I mean, Boris Johnson was elected less than a year ago is the truth, um, and um, we're in the midst of a pandemic so, uh, you know, my views on Boris Johnson are well broadcast, the views of the Labour Party on Boris Johnson are well forecast. It's an absolute tragedy that so many um, families have lost loved ones over this period, and I don't think anyone would have estimated that we would be in a place where we had the worst figures in Europe and amongst the very worst in the world. I mean, it's unbelievable with the comprehensive healthcare system that we had. And it's clear that time and time again, there has been mismanagement in the way that we've handled this, the way that we've been slow, the way that expertise has been dismissed. Um, And um, it's definitely the case that Boris Johnson should apologize unreservedly for that situation. But we have to get through it together. And for all of those reasons, I don't think it's about as glib as me saying Boris should go. It it is about the tragedy of where we are, the proper inquiry into why this has happened and an explanation from the prime minister of the things that he's got wrong so that people can be reassured that we're not going to make those same mistakes going forward.
0: Now, today, Professor Linda Bold, who is a public health expert from the University of Edinburgh, she said that the UK's COVID situation was due to, and I quote, a legacy of poor decisions that were taken by the government when we eased restrictions. So do you agree with her assessment that our government's actions have contributed to the vast amount of deaths that we see today?
1: Yes, as I've just said, I totally agree with that. I I don't take any... Joy in agreeing with that because, as I say, the, the pain and the hurt and the loss and the grief is devastating. And certainly, that's what I've seen in my own constituency. But I, I do think that assessment is correct.
0: Because I, you know, I guess the the figures that we see today shouldn't really be that shocking, especially when you see that before Christmas you had the British Medical Journal and uh, the Health Service Journal come together to warn about the dangers of easing restrictions. Uh, before Christmas. And then on top of that, we had uh, local councils in London uh, complaining to the government uh, about the need to close down schools to which the government then uh, began legal, um, began taking legal action on them. And in recent days, I had uh, former Conservative MP Anna Soubry come onto the show. And she said that our prime minister has an inability to deliver bad news because he, and I quote, he wants to be loved. So do you believe the prime minister has put his ego above public health?
1: Look, I mean, I, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, I can't shrink the prime minister, and neither do I want to. Um, for me, the business of politics is a very serious business and the business of governance is very serious. It means that you have to put ideology to one side, it means that you have to um, really understand expertise, particularly scientific expertise. You have to have a plan. You have to look around corners. Um, and all of that he's been unable to do. I can't get to the heart of why. I mean, that's an issue that was put to him. Anna knows him far better than me. She's a, She was a fellow Conservative MP of his. But what I can do is make an assessment of a continual failure to take things seriously enough, uh, to the dither, the delay, wanting it both ways, um, and probably a preoccupation with Brexit at a time when our country needed him to be focused on the pandemic.
0: Now, another issue that has pe- has appeared time and time again during this pandemic is the issue of government contracts which have been awarded. Now, the New York Times estimated that roughly $8 billion of the 16 billion pound worth of deals given out during the pandemic were awarded to companies that were either run by friends or associates of politicians in the conservative party, companies with no prior experience and all companies with a history of controversies. Um, Now, I wanna ask you, what has been your assessment of all of these contract scandals that have appeared, you know, in the news? And do you believe that cronyism has taken place there?
1: Well, at best it's crony, cronyism, at worst it's corruption. Um, I mean, ordinarily, government contracts are subject to a lot of due diligence about the companies that are engaged um, in contracting for services, um, that they must be appropriate companies, fit for the, the duty that they're doing, and that there's a proper contest. Um, now, it is the case that this pandemic um, came upon us rather quickly, and things have been had to be done at speed. But I think the waste is unbelievable. And the connection between those who've been awarded contracts and friendship, relationship um, with government ministers, including partners and close friends is, is, is deeply, deeply unacceptable. It's the sort of thing that you expect in a banana republic. Um, And I'm afraid some of it feels, uh, you know, close to corruption and the sort of thing you'd expect to be investigated by the
0: police. Now, is Labour going to call on a thorough investigation into uh, the contracting scandal before any more are awarded?
1: Look, I'm sorry, it's not my brief. You've asked me beyond my brief there. Um, That's the question you had to put to Jonathan Ashworth, who's over the detail of those contracts.
0: So... If we move on to the schooling issues. So this afternoon, the prime minister announced that it will not be possible for schools to reopen uh, after the half term. And he said that he's hopeful that it could happen by the 8th of March. Now, this has been a rough year uh, for students from primary, secondary, right up to university education. What action can be taken to safeguard these uh, this generation of students and to ensure that you know, they're not harmed in the process, because, you know, it has been a rough year for students.
1: Well, it's been a terrible, terrible year. Um, Look, education is fundamental and important to all young people, uh, but it's a particular, it's a particular problem where you've got young people from deprived backgrounds being denied an education that goes on for months and months. It's a particular issue where... have not got the equipment to help them engage in virtual learning and to drop out what will amount to when you look at the last lockdown and this one for however long it goes out you know up to six months out of the schooling is is dramatic and severe um now clearly this is a global challenge but the question is has britain best met this challenge at this time for our young people and clearly particularly in relation to the equipment to engage in virtual learning we've been found wanting. And there's been substantial delay in the announcements that the government's been, made, been making and real confusion, I think, that exists now for parents and for teachers um, at this time. Um, in the end, this falls to Gavin Williamson. I, I think uh, most people think that he should definitely uh, have stepped away from his post. He's not fit for purpose to do the job. Um, um, the mitigation that has to go in to support those young people Um, over the coming years in education is something that the country will have to return to and we'll have to think very hard about how we support them.
0: And if we look at university students, for example, um, you know, they've had issues, be it with um, paying for, you know, student renting, uh, right through to mitigation for their work. Now, would you support um, a reduction in loan repayment for university students?
1: Well, I'm not going to, I I think it's very hard to um, land solely on university students. I mean, I think that there are problems for tenants all over the country. It's not just our university students who are tenants. I've got many, many constituents who are tenants who can't meet their rent. I mean, that is the truth of it. Um, And, you know, yesterday I uh, uh, opposed the government on not extending for another six months the eviction ban so they're a very big issue for tenants rights across the country of course there are real problems for university students there are problems with again with them not having the full university experience Um, uh, again um not being in campus but yet paying 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 rent now i i understand that for a lot of students who are at Um, in their halls of residence, the universities are able, of course, to remit that. uh, But it is more complicated when you're in private rented uh, um, accommodation. And I'm afraid the issues go beyond just students.
0: Now, something that I wanted to ask about is to move on to the subject of civility in politics, because last week we saw the, the end of the Trump era. And Donald Trump has been blamed for a lot of the You know the lack of civility that we've seen in our politics. You know, stemming from two thousand and sixteen, be it with his election and the Brexit campaign. So I wanted to ask you: now that he's gone, do you feel that you know we're going to have a new wave, a new politics sweep through the world?
1: No, I'm afraid I don't think it's as straightforward as that. Um, Look, I think I'm amongst the most abused members of parliament in the country. Anyone can look at my Twitter feed or just Google death threats and David Lammy to see some of the awful things that I've been subjected to. I wrote about it in my new book, Tribes. Unfortunately, a lot of this comes back to regulation of social media um, and the proper obligations that have to be placed on uh, very, very big, um, sometimes almost monopoly size Um, companies based on the west coast of the United States. Um, uh, So I don't think the issues of civility are solely, can all be laid at the door of Donald Trump. I wish it were as easy as that. I think it's more complex than that. We are seeing a rise in populist extremism. It is being stoked by figures on the far right, many of whom have entered into the mainstream, as we've seen in the Republican Party. And I think we're also seeing elements of that here in in the UK. It's not solely unique to those on the right of politics there's, I'm afraid there's some of it also on the left of politics but in the end a lot of it comes back to the way in which social media companies can fan the flames of this and don't take down um, what is what is published, seem to have no responsibilities when things are published. Um, and, and I'm afraid it's not just civility. some of it is an absolute danger. To human life, as we saw in the capital, and as we saw very sadly with the murder of Joe Cox in our own country.
0: Now, on you know, on the topic of uh, political factions and you know the political tribes that we have within our country, would you agree that during this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic um, year that we've had, some of those divides have kind of settled down? And I wanted to ask you: Do you believe that those political divides that you know we saw? you know, expressed, you know, since 2016. Do you think those have kind of gone away or do you think they're still bubbling there under the surface, just ready to re-emerge?
1: Well, it's my job to be quite vigilant. Um, A lot of the divides that we have in our country really started to service in a big way following the 2008 crash, Um, the real pressures that austerity placed on society and growing inequality. Um, Yes, they accelerated um, following the um, referendum campaign, but let's be clear, we're now going into a deeper recession as a consequence of Brexit and the pandemic. Um, And usually at that time, there's a lot of othering and um, anti-immigrant rhetoric. There's usually a rise in hate. So we have to be vigilant. and, And so I... I, you know, I I think it's a bit, again, too easy to say, oh, it's all gone away. We've now exited the European Union. We have, and that's settled that debate. But I'm afraid um, you you see also in the way that the government stokes particular culture wars, that the division is alive and well in British politics.
0: Now, just asking about your experience of this uh, turbulent, turbulent past year, how have you been coping during the pandemic? And you know, what's it been like uh, trying to, you know, represent your constituency during this hellish time?
1: Look, it's a challenge. I mean, I like to get out and about in my constituency. I've not been able to do that in the same way. Um, As alongside that, I've also obviously got responsibilities to speak for the Labour Party on justice issues. Um, You know, I want to be visiting our courts. I want to be visiting our prisons. I want to be spending time with Um, victims of crime and uh, probation staff, et cetera, et cetera. And I've just not been able to do that in the same way. After we eased the lockdown, I was able to get back out again. I enjoyed that very much, but uh, that's all now come to a shuddering halt. So a lot of what I'm doing is behind a screen, uh, talking virtually um, to people. um, And I don't particularly find that satisfactory. I'm like everybody else, juggling with my kids at home, Um, who aren't in schooling I've got three children here so you know uh, those are real those are pressures like everybody else so it's it's not been an ideal period Um, but I recognize uh, for so many of my constituents who've lost their work over this time who are living in overcrowded uh, accommodation or who've been made homeless over this period you know I am incredibly, incredibly fortunate. So, look, it's not been brilliant, but um, you know, I do. You know, having grown up poor in Tottenham, I recognise the huge um, privileges that I have now, even in this time.
0: Now, as you mentioned just there, you know, in, in moments like this, it's so important to you know not not only look after your physical health, but also your mental health. So, I just wanted to find out what do you do to unwind. You know, when you're when you're not working or representing your constituency, what are you doing to you know protect your own mental health and you know stay sane during this time?
1: Well, I've got a, a dog which I like to walk and spend a lot of time with with the kids and my wife. Um, I um, love a good box set um, in the evening when work is finished. Um, I have a love of films, and uh, our family always watch a good film. Um, every week together Um, I love cooking um, and I tend to do that sometimes I tweet the things that I cook at the weekend Um, you know um, those are the things that I'm able to do at this time I mean ordinarily um, you know I like to be out and about walking around I like to be watching football at Spurs White Hart Lane so you know not all of it that I can do but I believe me I don't just live for politics
0: now, something that I do with all my guests to try and, uh, you know, get to know you a bit better is a quick fire round of questions. So, I'm going to invite you to complete the sentence. So, the first one: the greatest misconception about me is.
1: Oh, I don't know. Um, the greatest is that I um,
0: only care about race. <laughs> I'm most fearful of. of Minority MP, sorry? I'm most fearful of.
1: Most fearful. um, I'm quite fearful of birds. (laughs) I've got a phobia of birds.
0: My biggest regret is.
1: I haven't got any regrets.
0: The hardest lesson to learn was.
1: I think um, it's that transition from being working class to middle class and some of the uh, ridiculous mores that exist in British society like you know how do we you've got several
0: knives and forks and where you go from and the soup spoon and all that sort of stuff. And finally, we're going to end on a nice one I am most proud of.
1: Uh, I'm pretty proud of my children who are wonderful.
0: (laughs) David Lammy, thank you for joining me on Tell a Friend.
1: Thank you.